Welcome to the Digital Transformationists podcast. On today's episode, we're joined by the multi-talented Daniel Breston, author, coach, and business continuity specialist that integrates the strengths of Agile, DevOps, and ITSM in his professional practice. With 50 years living and breathing technology, Daniel has been witness and participant in the radical changes the world has gone through. We talk about his start in IT with gigantic mainframe computers, the benefits of mentorship and coaching in today's hyper-competitive business world, Hagglebots and how AI is transforming human interactions, and how simulations are becoming a valuable tool in the IT arsenal. Today's episode is brought to you by Botron Atlassian Apps, an AppFire company. Botron recently partnered with Jira expert and Atlassian community leader, Rachel Wright, to create the ultimate guide to Jira migrations. It's packed with checklists, worksheets, and expert-level guidance to help organizations move from Jira server to data center or cloud with confidence. You can learn more and download your free copy by searching for Botron eBook in your favorite search engine or going to botron.io slash podcast. Hey, Garrett. Good to see you again, man. How you been? Hey, Christian. I'm good. How you doing, man? Uh, can't complain. I guess it's been, I don't know, six, seven weeks since we last uh, got, this, got to do a podcast. Yeah. Our producer, Katie, wished me Happy New Year. So, Happy New Year. <laughs> happy New Year. <laughs> um, you know, I'm really excited about our guest today, Daniel Breston. Uh, Daniel brings such a wealth of experience in the world of technology. Uh, 30 years in, in technology, and I guess the last 10 years more around coaching and consulting and and doing great things to help you know companies and leaders uh, navigate the world of of innovation and, and delivering you know value with technology. So super stoked to have him on. Um, you know we've gotten to talk a lot about leadership in some of our podcasts and a whole bunch of stuff, but today we're going to talk some about uh, you know coaching and mentorship. And I got I venture to guess, and I think you know you, you've had a lot of success in your career. You know, who've been some of your best coaches? Well, I, I will say I'm I'm really uh, thrilled to have Daniel on as well um, because coaching is is uh, be I should say being coached is something that I kind of really feel strongly about um, in in my line of of work, um, especially when it comes to um, you know making records. A producer a producer is I look at it as a I look at a producer as as a coach and. Um, yeah, so the la- the latest great coach I've had uh, was working with Kebmo, who was also a guest on an earlier episode. Um, but yeah, again, he he really uh, kind of took me under his wing, and I think I think a big part of it has to do with it, to to uh, be willing to be coached, right? To and uh, I'm sure we could talk to Danny about that as far as <laughs> some of the people that he's worked with that have been willing to be be coached or not. Uh, but it's but if you can and kind of having that mindset of, of learning. So yeah, the one that really comes to mind is Kebmo. Of course, my father, uh, continuously throughout my life mm-hmm, has probably mm-hmm. been my greatest coach and mentor. Um, I think back to a lot of sports coaches yeah. in, in high school yeah. and these guys, um, were, were big influences on, on my life. Um, and again, some of my teachers, in high school and junior high, I think had a really profound effect on me. So those are some of the ones that I think back. Yeah. On. Well, mine are very similar. How about, uh, yeah. How about you? Yeah. How about you, boss? Similar. man? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah my, my dad and my stepdad uh, uncles uh, my uncles were very influential a lot, a lot I learned a lot about uh, business through my uncles and my grandfather by shadowing them you know when I was like six to the time I was about 15 16 just kind of shadowing them um, going through the factory that they that they that they built you know the family factory and the, and the business they were in uh, and one of my really special mentors was uh, a gentleman named uh, David Johnson. He was my boss at ERCOT and then later became a client and uh, just instrumental in teaching me so much about the business of helping companies with, with IT and technology. Uh, so yeah, super fortunate to have great coaches in my life. And, uh, and I think, you know, to that end, let's, let's introduce Daniel. Daniel, thanks for joining us. Let's talk about coaching and technology. Thank you very much. Nice to meet you. Nice to see you again, uh, Christian, and nice to meet you, Garrett. Nice to and meet you, Daniel. And Christian, I just want to thank you for saying I've only been doing this for 30 years. <laughs> Is that? Well, I thought 30, 30 in like in, in uh, CIO type roles, and then the last 10 consulting, I thought. So I know we're going on 40 it's, or so. Is it more? It's, it's uh, I'm going into my 50th year. 50. Has, there you dig go. has digital been around that long? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, to that end, tell us, like, what has this uh, trajectory been like? I know that the acceleration is an all-time high. Like, the, the pace at which we're moving, even these last five years and 10 years, compared to 20 years of the time I've been in IT, you know, you know tell us about it. Like, what's your, what's your take on it? Well, when I started at, at the third largest bank in the great state of Texas... And a hurricane made us the first largest bank in the great wow. state of Texas because the other two banks didn't have business continuity. We thought we were pretty mm. cool. Mm. And all we all we had really done was get lucky. Okay. And and our our mainframe had a terabyte of storage. We were the first bank in Texas to have a terabyte of storage. This which was Houston, five right? which was five floors of those washing machine disk drives. Uh-huh. And you look at your phone now, mm -hmm. and your phone has as much storage and as much power as my first mainframe computer wow. room did, you know, a half century ago. How big so, was that room, Daniel? Like physically? Two Texas city blocks. Oh my God, that is, that's unbelievable. <laughs> so it was, you know, a, a massive amount of space and, and there weren't a whole lot of people, but for the equipment we had and, and from the 1970s to 2000, we had, you know, yeah, Windows servers had started to come in and Unix servers had started to come in and stuff. Complexity. Until until 2000, as, as you know, Christian, we, we, mm -hmm. we didn't start virtualizing anything really. To yeah. any great extent. Mm -hmm. So from 2000 until now, mm -hmm. okay, half the time now that I've been in the business, mm -hmm. we've we've gone from. You always have to have a data center mm -hmm. that's bigger than anything. Yeah, to, bigger than you want, yeah. Yeah, bigger than you want, bigger than you can afford in some cases. Yep. To this thing called the cloud which is just a bunch of mainframes that don't really exist, right? They're all 
virtual wear. It's, it's, someone else's you know, data it's, center. It's, it's, yeah, it's it's like it's like funny money. It's it's right. like funny computers. It's it's the power is just just so impressive and the speed and connection. I think the power of of, of computers is interesting, but the powers of network is what is is the magic. Yeah. If, I mean, if you had told me back in the seventies that. I would be able to talk to anybody I wanted to at any point in time from Anywhere my house, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay, by just clicking on a app, whatever that was, <laughs> on, on my on my computer. That I would have just laughed at you. I would have said, yeah. "This is Dick Tracy stuff." But now you look at the Apple Watch, sure, and that's Dick Tracy stuff, right? Well, and that's like the the thing, the underlying piece of all this, right? Is that the bottleneck is moving, right? It's just constantly moving. Can your disk spin fast enough? Well, you eventually got the solid state. Can you get enough through the through the pipes themselves? Where we got fiber, um, you know. So, so you're always just moving and advancing the bottleneck. Um, ultimately, it seems to me that the bottleneck is people, right? Because you can only do so much physically. You can only you know tap into the, the human power so far. But there's where now we're trying to solve for that with still automation and, and, and things of that nature, which gets into you know, solid practices around your IT service management, you know, detecting and healing uh, on the DevOps front, you know, releasing things and using automation to do so to, to reduce errors and accelerate the, the pace at which you can accept change while still providing reliability. Um, what, what, do you, what are you coaching? What are you telling people? You know, what are you telling IT tech managers that you coach that, you know, uh, is, is, is helping them through these, these new, new challenges? Um. The first thing I'm telling them is that technology is no longer the issue. It's just whether or not we can create the outcome in the amount of time and with the cost that is feasible for the customer or mm -hmm. is going to be relevant to our staff. The second thing is, as I say, tell me what you want because tomorrow it'll be there. I read a story today on the BBC News about Hagglebots. Have you heard of this? No. Inform me. Okay. So... <laughs> Christian, you and I are on the phone. Mm -hmm. I put a Hagglebot onto my, uh, I'm sorry, we're on a Zoom call. Yep. I put a Hagglebot onto my Zoom call. The Hagglebot notices the different reactions you get to my statements. I'm a vendor. I'm trying to sell to you. Oh, you're just flinch testing with automation. Okay. Huh. And I know when you're about to cave in. Is this a real thing? This is a real thing. Go to the BBC News site. Oh, These are Hagglebots that people are putting on to 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 Detect. help people yeah. do stuff. And I think you know what I'm telling service management people or CIOs is stop sure. talking about the toys. Nobody cares. Hmm. You have an opportunity now to do what we've been trying to do for the last fifty years, which is talk about the outcomes. Mm -hmm. You tell me what you want. We'll find what to if apply. you got the money, we got the time. Hmm. You know, we'll, we'll be able to do it, and it won't take us long to do anymore. I mean, there's just neat and crazy AI stuff that's coming out left, right, and, and center all over the place. And I think that's the that's going to be the big influencer, especially now in COVID and coming out of COVID. Sure. And a lot of the AI advancements now are all still, like anything, technology on the backs of the doubling and the improvements and the, the, the movement of the bottleneck, right? 
we can yep. we can and we can we can pull the information in more quickly at massive volumes. We can interpret massive. it more quickly, apply the algorithms more quickly, and in real time, you know, um, manipulate. <laughs> yeah, it's all about it's all about the data. It's data. It's it's data. It's data gathering and data mining at speed. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the speeds are terrifying speed. I mean, I mean, if it's fast enough for me to be able to tell your emotions over a Zoom call, that's pretty quick. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. <clears throat> and, and the other thing I'm telling clients is, don't even try to do this alone. You need to find a partner that's experienced in doing this type of stuff that's experienced in cloud, that's experienced in data management, that's experienced, especially experienced in security and in any major tool set that you want to be using, like the Atlassian set. Right. I mean, because if you trying to do it is nonsensical. You, you, you cannot do this anymore without some, without the expertise of someone else. Yeah. Folks that are specialized, right? Yep. MSPs or, you know, something. Mm-hmm. So on, on the specialization front, you know, the, the world over the last, you know, I don't know, however many generations, right? Like we're thinking pretty big scale. We, we've, we constantly specialize and constantly outsource more of our, of our personal lives, yep. right? Um, it seems like there's still a higher degree of specialization. We continue to go down that path, whether you're in medicine, um, anything. And then, of course, in technology, and what you're describing, right, is, is, is getting the right specialists, the right experts, uh, pulling the team together because you're not going to necessarily go it alone. Um, do you find, and, I, and we, have ex- we have cases where our clients, you know, we, we encourage them to do what they specialize in, you know, banks, be good at banking, right? Yes. Don't, you know, get, get, be good at writing software, building technology for banking, but let us help you with the Atlassian side. That's our specialty. Are you finding that more folks are, are in, in big corporations continuing down the path of specialization and focusing on core competencies? Or are they trying to be jack of all trades and building up you know, specialization areas that you know, perhaps aren't the best use of their resources? I'm, I'm finding that for large organizations, it's a struggle for the, the, the powers okay, to let go. Sure. Okay. The teams want to work with and become cross-skilled, T-shaped, whatever word you want to use Mm -hmm. to be able to, you know, create stuff that people can use under the guidance and coaching of, you know, professional individuals, medium to small businesses jump at the chance of working with somebody uh, like us because they can start to focus on the outcome that makes them unique and we can do the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they don't have to worry about all the different things that you find on a cloud menu. When you go to a cloud provider, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's what we do. They just have to say, I need it, you know, in, in, in this way. And I don't want it to go over here. If mm-hmm. it has an issue, make it so. Right. Mm. So, you know, T implies breadth, and then depth in one area. I would argue that it's more like pie. We have like two vertical lines, maybe even more. But um, that's recent, isn't it? I, I think so. It seems that way. And, and you know, that's the that's the expectation we're setting of our consultants. You know, for that to that end, like, you know, we've got a breadth 
uh, across like Atlassian, across uh, different practices, software dev practices, IT service management, you know, DevOps, and then, you know, uh, and then a variety of, of, of technology pieces on the tech stack. Like you have to know networking, you have to know like all these things. But the depth, you know, you're going to have to know IT service management really well and technology X and technology Y. Um, so, yeah, I think that the, the demands are, are more and more uh, weighted on individuals. And again, going back to the people bottleneck, right? You, you, you have to know. Let's face it, we're in IT. We want mm -hmm. to play with the tools. So at some point in time, we want to be, you know, one of the parts of that pie is the tool part. But we're being forced to be able to, to have to be able to speak to individuals, product owners. And if we don't understand what it is they're telling us, then we don't know how to make the toy do what it's supposed to do. And that's that's the challenge we have now. So a lot of the language lessons that I'm that I'm doing is how do you communicate to people that don't speak tech. Mm. And, and, I, and I'm sure that you see that, you know, w with your customers, you, they, their eyes glaze over as you start mentioning all the other stuff. Mm. And, and, and you need to try <laughs> to educate them because it's actually important to them. That, that's At some what level, the, that, they, that's... Have to, they have to understand that, right? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, you must see this, Garrett. People want to do, you know, music stuff or movie stuff and and they have to have some general understanding of what it is that you're talking about to have it come out the way that it's supposed to sure i mean th that's kind of the premise of this of this podcast um christian's right. an expert and i know absolutely nothing about what you guys are talking about <laughs> <laughs> um, okay you and i will be quiet then we'll let christian go <laughs> um well, I mean, kind of on that, you know, on on the developing side. Let's, so, how how do you keep honing skills and staying re relevant? Um, you know, you've been doing this for such a long time. I mean, it's it's got to be a race just to just to keep up with the the new tech every day, right? I mean, well, Harvard Business Review many years ago said you, you need to have at least three mentors or coaches. The first mentor or coach needs to be somebody that is a thought leader above you in your industry. So I know a lot of people that are quite important and relevant in the DevOps or IT service management or agile space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I talk to them and I'm part of their community or listen to their conferences or whatever if I'm not actually speaking at one of their conferences. Hmm. You need to have somebody that's a peer to you. And LinkedIn, uh, there's a group of us on Facebook that have very active conversations, and we learn from each other there. Hmm. And, and, but, but the most important part, and this is what keeps you going, is the third person has to be somebody that that really isn't anywhere near your pay grade. And, and what Harvard Business Review recommended for a CIO was that they take somebody from the service desk. Because the service desk was the person that saw what the customer saw. Mm -hmm. Firsthand. And so whatever the service desk person saw as the, 
as they were going with the CIO to meetings. And when I was a CIO, I, I would bring the service desk people with me to meetings because they would listen with things with the service desk gear. And they would go, yeah, you know, th 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 there would be this, this different sight, this different view of life that would come apart. That, that view of life is, is what keeps me, keeps me going because those kids are going, hey, this AI is cool. Well, I don't really want to learn about AI. Sure you do. Look at all the stuff that it can do. And machine learning. I mean, machine learning has actually been around for a long time, but it, it's to the point now to where if you work with somebody, if you really do go to that team concept, you, you just keep getting excited. I, I don't feel like I've been doing this for 50 years. Hmm. What's the... That's the beauty of it, though, right? You enjoy the work so much that it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like work. And, yeah. and it's like the continuous, I mean, but that says something about, like, you know, your personality as well as, I mean, anything else. I mean, just the fact that, you know, you know you're still willing to, to be taught. You're still learning. Seems like, you, you know, you're the kind of guy that maybe approaches every day, like, and, and I feel the same way, like, you know. I, I want to keep learning, right? If you stop learning, you stop your forward momentum, you stop your forward progression, you, you know, you're dead in the water, right? Yep. So, I mean, um, it kind of leads leads me to, to our next thought, which is, um, you know, kind of coaching versus consulting. And I guess kind of mega question is, what's the difference between coaching and consulting? And are there some people that, that need to be coached, but you have to call it consulting? Because they they refuse to put themselves in that in that position. I don't I, know. It's like a, I refuse e, to answer the last question without <laughs> okay. legal advice. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So let's take coaching and consulting. So consulting is you've come to me and you want me to tell you something, or you want me to do something for you. So I am now a consultant for you. You okay. want me to create and introduce Atlassian's Jira service desk, and you want me to create the practices that go with it. And uh, once I write that down, I might hand it over to somebody to make sure that they can read my handwriting, and then I leave. A coach comes in and says, now you have all this information inside of your Jira service desk. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to learn from that? What is really bothering your internal staff or your customers? How are you going to change that information to become proactive instead of just being reactive? Yep. And it's going to work with the teams to start you know, thinking and considering about the fact that the outcome is, a, is helping individuals do things better, faster, and safer. Okay. Anybody can, and now Christian might slap me for saying this. Sorry. <laughs> there are a lot of people who can go and introduce Jira service desk. There aren't as many people that can make Jira service desk a useful part of an organization who can take it above that service service desk level and actually elevate the importance of what's happening across the entire chain from demand to output. 
outcomes. Yep. Yeah. No, okay, I, I, I think that that's mm-hmm. the difference between a coach and a consultant. And I agree with you. Uh, but an, and I think a good consultant knows how and when to coach as well. Oh, um, absolutely. Right. And, and I think that's the, that's kind the, of the differentiator way. sometimes. Exactly. Um, but you do get, you do get situations where like someone might call themselves a consultant and really they're, they're operators. They're being told yep. what to do. I mean, that's just, you know, they just need more <clears throat> arms and legs, you know, involved. Um, but you know, to your point, Daniel, it's all about how you take some technology and some framework and help elevate the game, help reach the next and help make this company competitive, relevant, you know, whatever is important in, the, in their overall strategy. Yeah. And then take the, take, take the individuals or take the teams along that along that journey right yeah you know, of leadership. people people say will you be my agile coach and i go well d- define to me what do you mean by agile and, and oh by the way can i start with you and the leader hmm. goes why do i need to learn about agile <laughs> and i go okay so let's think about this for a second you want to introduce agile into your organization yes you want to introduce into your organization what 17 developers created over two days at a ski lodge. <laughs> is that what adds? That- that's the manifesto. Yeah, that's, and, that's how it came. Yeah. And, and you have this, the same look that you just gave me was, yeah, I guess, wow, I have no idea what you just told me. But, they, <laughs> you know, and you have this look on their face and they're going, you know, imagine the first conversation that was in February of 2001. So March 2001, a developer walks into a CIO's office and says, hey, these 17 developers met at a ski lodge over a weekend and, and, and they, they created these four statements with 12 principles. And I think we ought to adapt them. What does CIO tell the developer? What ski mountain? Yeah. <laughs> Did okay. you have fun? <laughs> you know, but 20, 20 years later, everybody's doing it. Um, actually, on that note, our, you know, our first guest on the podcast was Lisa Atkins. Oh, okay. Have you worked with her before? I have heard so, of her. I have not had the pleasure of working with for her. Those, for those listening, because you won't see a video, um, Daniel just did the, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm not worthy praise. That, uh... <laughs> I'm not worthy praise. <laughs> Go ahead, Garrett. <laughs> oh, no, that was, that was, that was oh, it. Oh, dude, no. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, she's, she's special. She's amazing. Um, well, that, that is interesting that agile was put, put, uh, put together like that, but I guess you get the right people in the, in the, in the, in the right room and, uh, some very, you know, important, um, ideas could come, come, come out of that situation, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think, and, and, and Christian probably sees this a lot more than I do because he deals with a lot more parts of technology than I do. But you have people who say, I want to go to cloud and Christian goes, well, okay, well, what do you want to take to cloud? And they'll either tell him succinctly or more than likely they'll tell him, I don't know. Mm-hmm. In which mm-hmm. case then you have to go back and you go, well, let's talk about what do you mean by cloud? Mm. You know, you have to, you have to peel it back a little bit. And I think a lot of the conversations that a coach does is peeling and peeling it back so that whoever is getting ready to perform the activity, just like a diver or, or a football player or somebody like that who has a coach, they really see all the different aspects of what's about to happen. 
you're about to tackle somebody. Yeah, you're going to get hurt. Oh, wait a minute. Mm. Maybe I should learn how to tackle. Mm. Okay, because getting hurt is not a good thing. Well, you know, CIO does that every day. He walks into anybody in IT that's senior walks around with a big target on their chest. Mm. And your goal as a coach is to help them remove that target. Mm. I think COVID has brought that out even more because organizations all of a sudden said the only way we can survive is for the IT department to really, really, really step up. Right. Yeah. And is that coming, kind of coming back to that um, business continuity uh, theme that you, you spoke on earlier? I mean, yeah. can, can you kind of speak on that as, I don't know, and maybe even, I mean, can, do you, do you know, some businesses that have had a tremendous business continuity through the pandemic and some who, who have kind of crashed and burned without speaking to your lawyer first? <laughs> um, if you pick up the newspaper or go to your local, or go to your local news website, you will more than likely see a story that, that says, you know, I'm a bank and I'm having issues. I can't make my payments. Uh, I I can't. Uh, I've I've lost 150,000 records of driving license. Uh, I'm just going over the the news stories. You know, it's it's what Wednesday of this week, and these are the two major stories in uh, the UK. This you know just from this week. Mm. So. My definition of business continuity is I want to keep the business continuously in business. Right. And not make okay. the, not make the headlines. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't want to be bad news. You always want to be good news. Right. So how can you keep an organization, you know, sustainable, resilient, secure, and safe? Those are the aspects of continuity. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Because the, the business is running on your technology. Yeah. And bottom line, it's running on all your bottom tech. line on their technology. And, yeah. and, de and everybody that uses technology in your organization now has a business continuity role. And that's a big statement to make because what you used to have is a bunch of people who go fill in Excel spreadsheets and go, okay, now I have a, you know, business mm -hmm. continuity plan. And that, that, that's, that didn't help them when COVID hit. Mm. Well, so there's a couple of stories that we've been here, um, but you know, Daniel, you, you've got a long running experience in IT. I think that for the majority of your career, IT were the folks down in the basement that were uh, considered cost. Whereas now, over the past you know 10, 20 years, there's actually that's where value gets created. Um, and when we when we think about the fact that technology is running the business. Uh, we are now more in position of, as technology people, uh, those folks that actually enable and, and make things happen and make business run. Um, as a, you know, we, we've been in business uh, what, 14, 15 years now, but we were a cloud first business from the very beginning. So we don't have the challenges and haven't had the challenges a lot of companies have to think about business continuity because it's for us, it's always been baked in. So when COVID hit us, like it was pretty seamless. Like we just, went about our business. Um, but, you know, some of these other businesses that have been running for much longer and have a lot of older, you know, technology and infrastructure, you know, that's, it's, those are some pretty heavy lifts uh, or, or efforts to make sure that you've got continuity, you, you test it, right? 
um, which kind of gets into some of the topics around simulations as teaching tools, but also simulations as, you know, on the business continuity front. Uh, HEB, a big grocer here in Texas, went through a lot of tabletop exercises leading up to COVID. And as a result of that, did phenomenally well through COVID and making sure that people had access to food. <laughs> and I think organizations that started to adopt DevOps, which yep. you guys are quite familiar with, yep. okay, instead of having, okay, you have a developer do something and then they go and give it to other developers and then it kind of goes to somebody and it finally gets to some people that are going to go and test something, okay? What they do now is at the end of the day, can I still use what I'm going to, to have to do? Right? Yep. And every day, so instead of being linear, it's now baked in. So continuity and security are now hand in hand across the entire life cycle. Mm -hmm. Because everyone is starting to, to, to think about the fact that what do I have to do to be in business tomorrow? And when I come into work, what do I have to do to be in business tomorrow? Because I don't know what's going to happen now. The world's mm. just gone nuts. Mm. Sure. Okay. It's totally volatile. It's always changing. So what do I have to do to make sure that I can, if I can't keep ahead, at least I can stay alive. Mm. Right. Okay. Until I can catch up. And I think that now is the new definition of business continuity is, is at least try to keep me sustainable. Wow. But, you know, when we're thinking about continuity, oftentimes we think about, will I have the infrastructure and technology and stuff in place so that my business is not disrupted? But then there's yeah. also the, the, the strategy side of it to say, if, if we have some disruption happen, how can we actually uh, uh, capitalize on that? Right? Oh, but now you've, gone into now you've gone into digital. Exactly. Because digital implies you've changed the way that you work to take advantage of technology. Right. Digital does, you know, I went to cloud. Okay. That's boring. I went to <laughs> I went to digital and I changed the way that I worked. I, you know, I was I I, I I sold sandwiches to people. Now I take their orders online and I deliver sandwiches to people. I changed the way that I work. Sandwiches as a service. In That's right. yeah, I'm still in business. <laughs> okay, you took advantage of of the technology to be able to keep you in business because you adopted and adapted it to a different way of working. Now mm -hmm. you're digital. And I think mm -hmm. that's the digital economy that we've now been forced into globally. Mm. Right, right. We're moving towards it. But now, I mean, the acceleration, the response oh, has been dramatic. And we're all yeah, living it. Yeah, it's dramatic. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the front page of the, uh, uh, the financial magazines over here today is, you know, the UK is on the verge of being cashless. Hmm. Well, because COVID, I, I don't want to touch your money. Yeah, anonymity was the thing about cash that I liked, but uh, it's a vector. Let's just yeah, yeah. Sca scan, you know, swipe your card against the <laughs> machiney thing and, and, and pay for it. Wow. Yeah, touchless. So yeah, how, how does that? Um, what's gonna be, God? What's gonna be the black market of that cryptocurrency? I mean, you know what I mean? Is that that's what it, that's what it will have to be, right? I mean, if there's cashless, if Wow, if your cash is, if you can't use cash, what are, 
illegal businesses going to be doing? Cryptocurrency, but, I guess. But, and that's what Janet Yellen was talking about yesterday. She did a whole big speech on cryptocurrencies, bitcoins, you know, cash scams. She, she had, what, a three or four hour discussion. It was fascinating to listen to. Mm. And, and they're all good questions. Nobody has the answer. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the whole, the, the thing that came to my mind while you're talking about that is, is, is just the fluidity and something I've been saying the whole pandemic. It's like, um, you know, okay, I used to make sandwiches. Now I take an order and deliver sandwiches. Yeah. During this time, especially through the pandemic, it's, if you want to stay afloat in whatever line of work you're in, right, you have to just be able to be fluid and think on your feet and just keep moving forward. You know what I mean? I think the other thing is, 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 and that's, that's a good point is customers. I'd make a lot of sandwiches. Customers only want five of them. What do I do with that? So I need to make sure that I at least have available to me the stuff to make those five okay. at all times. Oh, okay. Right. So you're really starting to, you know, going back to what Christian was saying earlier, you're really starting to look at that information and proactively apply it. Mm. You can either look at it from a report point of view, or you can use AI because there's software as a service applications that'll come in and always tell you, you know, ah, Garrett just connected. Nine times out of 10, he wants a big beef hoagie with cheese, <laughs> you know, and you've already started to make it by the time you've placed the order. Mm. You know, p people are getting to be that slick in what they're doing with with, with technology now, which is kind of scary, actually. Mm. <laughs> um, so, Daniel, um, you, you you're you're born and raised in Houston. No, I'm I was born in Washington D.C. Okay, I've I've lived all over the U.S., but I moved to the U.K. in 1999 because my real boss. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> suggested that was a good thing for me to do <laughs> and she's she's british okay so uh again without having to consult your lawyer or the boss you uk <laughs> uk versus usa <laughs> blanket in question. what way in, in, in can all, we narrow in, that in, down a little uh and always i mean or, or christian you, you take it but i mean i mean i guess just kind of thoughts on it. Um, Amazon makes the question, okay, irrelevant. Whatever uh, okay. I want from the United States, okay. I can get. Sure, including sure. the beef, including the uh, the yes. beef hoagie. I can get. I can get it. I can get. I can get a Chicago deep dish, deep dish pizza, okay, that's ready to eat and you know and safe to eat, you know, by tomorrow. Let me. So, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish that. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, let's bring this back to uh, kind of more in line with the digital transformation. Yep. <laughs> uh, you, Stephen, and I, and, and Katie, uh, have, have had a lot of conversations about some, some projects coming down the way and doing like survey type stuff and, and developing, yep. um, you know, the state of enterprise or the state of service management as a, as a report and, and having a survey behind it. And what you share with us in those conversations is that the kinds of responses you get in the UK are different than the US. Can you elaborate on that? What's the what's the um, trend? What's the thing that's, that's that's driving different behaviors or attitudes about practices or technology? Okay, okay, 
I think I think that small businesses in the UK, I'm going to lose so many fans. Oh, I no. think that small businesses <laughs> in the UK are more technology aware than small businesses in the United States. Okay. Okay. And, and the reason for that is, is, is very similar to you. They've grown up with technology and they're not afraid, afraid of it. Mm-hmm. I think U.S. small business, even if it's recent, has so many different issues with, you, you know, there's 50 states, there's 50 different regions, there's 50 different personalities mm-hmm. that you have to have to deal with, even though, you, mm-hmm. you know, it's all called the United States. England's kind of small. Sure. Right? It's just, it's it's one sixth the landmass of Texas. Wow. Mm. So 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 from from that point of view, we have sixty million captured audience that allows us to, you know, kind of feed off of them and, and grow what they want. So the survey answers come back with how do I take care of you know, that type of information. So the information surveys that we see over here are the major concerns are data security, GDPR. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not cloud because everyone here has gone to cloud long since. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's how do we prove the value of what we're doing internally? Okay. And we don't have enough skills. Hmm. And I think that those are our big challenges here in, in Britain and, you know, the EU predominantly. I think in the United States, because you have all the technology companies, skills mm-hmm. isn't the issue. Mm-hmm. It's how to best apply them. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned 50 states, broad, big. Um, you know, we obviously showed that was a, a challenge without a national direction on COVID testing and COVID response, right? So it seems like it, it those kinds of challenges manifest in different areas, uh, including, yep. to your point, technology adoption or, or uh, yeah. Hmm. And, and even if you're a bank and you have branches across, you know, major hubs across the United States, every hub wants to be different. Well, r- rugged individualism, right? Rugged individualism, <laughs> which is which is which is a great mentality to have uh, until you try until you try to cobble it all together then and keep up with a little bank that's actually stealing all your customers. Sure. Yeah, and that t- tends to be whatever lately, um, kind of like the area of threat in fintech or or, or banking, is that someone's just going to out out innovate you quickly. They'll be small. But they don't need all that yep. heavy infrastructure and capital investment to do so because being a cloud-first company, your investments it's it's small, it's smaller, yep. and your ability to cut bait and pivot. I mean, what does it cost to just spin up some machines on on AWS or Azure and doesn't work? Spin them down. I'm not locked in for a three-year, multi-million-dollar deal on all this hardware, right? So, the the number one bank for for medium to small businesses in England is not a major bank. 
they have hundreds of thousands of customers and they're not one of what we call the high street banks, you mm -hmm. know, the big gleaming tower banks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They don't have an office. Right. It's a group of individuals that all work out of the cloud. They're, they're, it's completely legitimate. It's completely government-backed, you know, all the other Certainly. blah, blah, blah that goes with it. But they're all it, it's all technology. Yep, the business is the technology. The business is the technology. So are they, are they going to put those, the Gleaming Tower banks out of business? Yes. Or get acquired by those big banks, right? No. No, okay. I don't think that a big bank will acquire them because then what would you do with it? It would be like, you know, Blockbuster saying we're going to go and buy Netflix. And well, do too late for them. <laughs> okay. But I mean, it's, it's that same mentality that we have now. You well, have these big true. banks that are yeah. all technology based. Okay. And the hard banks, for lack of a better word, don't know what to do with them. Well, yeah. So like Blockbuster couldn't see the benefit of streaming and of, of different distribution because they're making so much on the late fees and that yep. clouded their judgment. It, 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 it pulled them away. It took their eye off the, the correct ball, so to speak. Mm. So you yep. think it's a similar thing with, with banking. Yep. I think they're, you know, they're, they're, they're PNC bank is probably the most innovative bank mm -hmm. I know of in the United States that is really going out there, creating an online presence, you know, and really looking at how can I help customers without having them come to a building. Right. I mean, you might know of other banks. That's the one I'm the most familiar with. Hmm. Yeah. Well, so that's the thing, right? Like uh, everything's virtualized uh, experiences, how you get the food delivered. One of the things that I love about business, especially just as a kid growing up around it, uh, was that businesses or commerce's role in society has been to, to bring people together, right? People in their different villages would go to market, bring their goods, exchange, shake hands, how you doing? How's the fish this week? How's the whatever? And, and, and as a result of that, like cultures exchange, you know, people brought thoughts and ideas to one another. Um, obviously, the concern is that we're going to have less human interaction, but even that will be more online like we're doing now. Um, you know, to what extent are we going to lose that, lose that humanity, that human piece of it, right? If everything that we do is just on my app, on my phone, I don't have to get off my butt, you know. Uh, granted, this is the this is the world that we're in, and we're going towards it seems. But I don't know. what are your thoughts on that? I, yeah, I'm at a disadvantage to answer that question, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. You remember the 1200 baud modems? Sure, yeah. <laughs> okay, you've seen them in museums, right? You know that. <laughs> boom, boom. Right? <laughs> so, so I'm used to working from home because my big, huge desktop computer was attached to a 1200 baud modem that went uh -huh. into the mainframe at the bank 100 miles away. Yep. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm used to not. You know, I'm used to working and not necessarily being in the office. Mm -hmm. And and I think that the challenge for a lot of people now is if all we were doing was doing this two or three days a week, but we would still have human interaction at night mm -hmm. or on weekends, mm -hmm. then I think 
you know, it wouldn't be as bad. I think the mental health issues that we're seeing sure. now is, okay, I, I can't go to the pub when, when you and I finish this call. Right. But you could drink a whole bunch of beer by yourself. That's lonely. Yeah, but that's not <laughs> fun anymore. <laughs> right? Well, I've been doing that for 18 months. <laughs> well, well how does that, just on the same kind of point, um, like, how does that work with your simulations? Um, I was reading an article, one of your articles about, you know, like the, the games that you play right when you go in to do a coaching session. Um, so how does that work with the simulations? So the, the, the simulations are were designed by Gaming Works in such a way to say, right, you have six or seven individuals with different roles and they want to do their function. How do they do their function enabled by technology in such a way that they keep the business in business? So the way we would run it is Christian would walk in and he would go, right, I'm the CEO of Precipio and, you know, just for argument's sake and, and all listeners out there, this is not true. We're just, you know, using the simulation, <laughs> but we're in, we're in financial trouble. We're losing market share. No one wants to use this anymore. And we need to come up with a different way of working. So I want you eight to go and figure out a way to work. And oh, by the way, I still want you to do your day job. So everything that you're committed to do in this annual budget, I still want you to do. Mm -hmm. And what we as facilitators and coaches are, is we break that scenario down into four different rounds. And the first round, they do some activities that just get them used to working together and talking with each other. And they're kind of successful because you don't want to put everybody off at the beginning of the day. Otherwise, nobody wants to play anymore. You lose them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't okay. like this game. I'm taking my I don't like home. this game. Yeah, right. We're out of here. Okay. The, the second round, you, you introduce a little bit of chaos. And at the end of each round, you let them see what they've done from a financial perspective and business and customer point of view, because they have certain targets to hit. But you also get them to start thinking about, we, we've never visualized what we're doing before as a team. I didn't talk as the IT developer to the product owner as to what they really wanted. I made an assumption. So what I gave you actually didn't help you at all, which is why we didn't make a whole lot of money this round. Hmm. And, and, and so they start making these, these, these reflections mm -hmm. upon themselves. And by the end of the game, they start going, right, actually, you know what? This is the way we work. We don't talk to each other. Hmm. We go into meetings and we go, we want this. And nine months from now, is the next time we see you guys. Even if it's two weeks from now, the, the speed that people develop and do stuff, that's a long time. 
and we need to, you know, start collaborating and we need to go into co-creation and leadership needs to change the way that it works. And that's what the business simulations, you know, really start to show. We've split them up because people wanted to look at it from an IT service management perspective and from a DevOps perspective. So the two major games, you know, one does it, they both do the same thing, but, but, but one focuses on looking at service management practices and the other one focuses on looking at DevOps practices. Hmm. Very cool. Luckily, to your point, we're, we're, we're in good shape financially, but I can see the value <laughs> in me. Just to reiterate. The... <laughs> Just to no, reiterate. But, but, <laughs> but there's value in the exercise to say, let's, let's, let's think as if we're in trouble, right? Yep. Because that can then unlock so many things, right? Make so many connections mentally in your team uh, to say, <clears> like, <throat> this is an approach I should get next level. Let's not use this as a way of recovery, but as much as a way to say, like, this helps us next level, right? Well, the other thing is, is that you're in the background, you're listening. They right. know you're listening. Mm -hmm. Okay. And every once in a while, we actually prod you to come in and go, oh, I think that's a really great plan, but just curious, how is that going to raise our share value by 10 points by the end of the year, which was the original thing I asked you? And then mm -hmm. you'd be quiet. Right. So you come in and you... You know, I'm already giving them, oh, by the way, COVID's just been extended. And you come in and go, where are my 10 points? Hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's reality now. Right. Is people are trying to do what they're supposed to be doing. And at the same time, they're getting hit by all the different things that are happening, you know, in the universe. Sure. And then they've got the boss over here bouncing on them. But this all goes back, ties back nicely, I think, Garrett, to the things that you and I talked about at the opening. And that's who have been our greatest mentors. And a lot of them have been coaches. And those are folks that tell you, you got to dribble. You got to look down every now and again, but you got to look up. Mm, I think, you, Garrett, you were a basketball was your game, I think. Yeah, it's, it's funny you just brought it up because when um, Danny was talking about saying, it's it's like, uh, it's it's the pivoting, right? You yeah. go pivot. And, and actually, when you get that challenge, <laughs> um, when, when you get a, ch a specifically a basketball metaphor, when you get that, mm -hmm. when someone, if you're handling the ball and then someone steps to you to try to make the steal, but you cross them over and then you make greatness out of that, um, that attack. A challenge. You yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, it's, uh, I think sometimes uh, folks don't like the idea of not being able to just focus and keep their head down. And when you challenge them and say, you got to lift up your head, look up. I mean, you got to do both. That's just the reality of life, business, sport, whatever it is. You got to look down, but you got to look up. You got to constantly be moving. So, but, but, but coaching is two ways. Mm -hmm. if, if, if I'm a junior developer and I look up to you and you don't look back to me, sure. all I've done is look up. True, true. If I don't get anything back from you, then we're not in a coaching arrangement. Mm. Right. Okay, we're in a worker arrangement, or if I'm external, we're in a consultant consulting arrangement. Mm. Okay, a coach is two people that are having a discussion that are trying to work together toward a common goal mm -hmm. and how to improve what they're doing to get to that common goal. And, and the other part of my job is I, I don't you don't want me to always be there and I don't always want to be there. I want to put myself out of business as a coach because you've now learned. Right. 
you you have to get to move on to the next the next level. Yeah. Yeah, you've learned. Yep. Um so Daniel, tell us what uh what are you working on? How can we find you online? And uh anything you want to share with us there? Uh well, I'm helping you, which is kind of fun. It is. It's been a lot of fun. Um <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, doing some writing and, and talking to uh, uh, Christopher uh, Pepe, and, and uh, I was listening to a webinar from your IT operations, uh, Suze Tracy. Okay. And I learned a lot from that, actually, that I hadn't oh. appreciated about uh, uh, MSPs in the cloud and Atlassian tools. So that was very interesting. Um, I'm speaking at conferences this year. I've got five already lined up. How oh, good. Uh, I'm, I'm doing the, uh, simulations and stuff. I'm getting very heavily involved in, in something that's come out of the lean movement, which is value stream mapping mm-hmm. and value stream management. So helping people look at, you know, it, 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 nobody cares whether or not you solved an incident. It's, it's, it's in how you did it. It's, you know, what is the resolution value stream of that? You know, how can you apply technology to onboarding of new staff? So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's that kind of stuff. So that's this year. Um, And and just trying to see whether or not I can get people to help me write stories to maybe one day put it into some type of pamphlet or booklet or something like that. So those are the things that I'm doing uh, over 2021. Awesome. And how can people find you? How can people find me? They can find me on LinkedIn. So Daniel Breston, uh, they can find me on Twitter, same name, <laughs> try to keep it simple. Yeah. That way, at least I know, I know where to find me. Uh, th- those apply the two major places Phenomenal. and please, please link to me, please, you know, follow me or whatever, ask me questions. I love having conversations. Well, Daniel, thanks so much. It's late, uh, East of London where you are. Thanks for staying up late with us. Very much appreciate it. Enjoy that cold Boddington's. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> oh, it is. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's, no. What's it, what's it going to be then? Oh, I'm going to go. Well, if you want me to have a beer, I'm going to have uh, the, the oldest brewery in, in the UK is Shepherd Neem. So mm. I'm going to go have a Spitfire. Okay. But let's, let's remember that I am from the South. Okay. So that might be next to a shot of Jack Daniels. Okay. Well done, <laughs> sir. <laughs> well, thank you very well, much, Daniel. It was a truly a learning experience. Thank you. Yeah. Enjoy the nightcap. No, thanks, gentlemen. Thanks, Katie. Bye, everybody. Bye, Daniel. Thanks for listening to the Digital Transformationists podcast, brought to you by Precipio Consulting. Be sure to visit our webpage to check out our other episodes, access show notes and links, and listen to some great bonus content. Like what you heard? Subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. And tell a friend. We love making new friends. I'm executive producer Katie Thomas. Victor Vargas is our engineer. Alejandro Caballero is our editor. Thanks for tuning in.